We are joined in studio by Andrew Riley from Portland Tenants United. How you doing? Oh, not too bad. How about yourself? I am well. Also, John McIsaac from Multifamily Northwest. Excuse me. How you doing, sir? I'm good. How about you? I am well. Actually, I, I have a cold, so if my voice craps out on us, I apologize for that. And I'm standing in for the illustrious and, and uh, charismatic John DiLorenzo, who I wish you could have on the air today, but you'll have to settle for second best. The... Uh, John is a PR strategist for Multifamily Northwest. Andrew right. Riley, activist of Ten- Portland Tenants United. Uh, on the opposite sides of the housing issue, uh, Multifamily Northwest represents Oregon landlords trying to pass a rent assistance program as an alternative to rent control. Speaker Tina Kotek opposes it. Uh, so does the housing activism group Portland Tenants United. Uh, John, what's wrong with rent control? Well, rent control hamstrings the ability to uh, make improvements on properties, and it actually will um, it impedes the, the uh, development of new properties, which is what we need the most, is more affordable housing. Well, did, did your organization have a position, by the way, on the, on the real estate transfer tax back in 03? You know, I don't know because I wasn't with them at that point. Yeah, we can probably. I'm fairly new to the organization. Yeah, wh- who did you work for prior? Well, I'm an independent PR consultant. Yeah. Yeah. And the uh, Andrew, what's wrong with Multifamily Northwest's rent assistance plan? Uh, yeah, so I'll say in the abstract, we we don't oppose the idea of spending twenty five million dollars to support struggling renters, but that's not what this is. Um, at the core, this is a distraction from two key pieces of tenant legislation, uh, tenant protection legislation that are going to be proposed in the next legislative session. Legislature kicks off in about two weeks, and we know that there are going to be discussions of ending the statewide preemption on rent control and stabilization, and some reforms to ensure that when landlords evict a tenant, that they have a just cause to do so. Um, these are two of the most important tenant protection measures that. Uh, we've seen that have been discussed in the time that I've been doing this. Um, and so it's no surprise that we see Multifamily Northwest proposing this um, ineffective, inadequate, frankly, badly constructed um, proposal. It's it's a defensive move that's designed to make it look like we're doing something on housing affordability and stabilizing tenants without actually doing anything. John, what what is Multifamily Northwest, by the way? Um, Multifamily Northwest is a, uh, an association that represents property managers in Oregon. Mm-hmm. What is, uh, Tina Kotek has called your plan a taxpayer-funded giveaway. What's your response? Well, she's used the whole issue of rent control as a platform to get reelected. And um, I, I let, me challenge, let me challenge for a moment. The Speaker Tina Kotek in the Democratic District does not have a re-election problem. Now, maybe she wants to be governor No, 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 no. But, but, I mean, to, to draw attention to her... Her, uh, her, her own. Yeah, no, it's, it's an eighty percent Democratic district. She could, I mean, yeah. you know, she she right. could uh, say that she was hacking for the Russians, and she'd still get reelected. Sure. Maybe she'd get elected. Yeah, president. I understand. I understand. Anyway, keep going. And to be honest, we don't we don't have a, a problem with her, but but uh, it's the whole issue of rent control in Portland has been bandied about with a lot of rhetoric and. Uh, some, somewhat of an absence of factual uh, foundation. So, all right. How do you respond, yeah. Andrew? What's the what's the factual foundation? 
because uh, because the central argument and it's a hard one right and it's not just for people who are advocating for their clients and their PR firms right it's people who like want to make sure there's sufficient housing stock and they say if you put a limit on rent that will reduce the private investment that happens to build that housing stock what's your response absolutely so on the first part of that I would say that you know when we talk about rent control and rent stabilization I think it's important to talk about what you're called second generation rent controls which is what we generally advocate for and that's limits on how much the rent can increase in a given year uh, how many times a year a landlord can can increase the rent it's a little different from what I think people conceive which is sort of a per unit rent restricted building and there's no evidence at all in the academic literature that the second generation rent control disincentivizes development that's just not there's no evidence to support that but beyond that, you know, I want to actually echo what the, the Speaker of the House said. I'd point out that she actually had a primary challenger this last election, an aggressive supporter of rent control who was challenging her on her insufficient support for tenant protection. So I think that that's the idea that she did this to get reelected is, is kind of a farcical argument. Uh, but this is a taxpayer subsidy for, for rent hikes. It's not tied to any, you know, meaningful restrictions on, um, you know, how landlords can raise the rent. You know, all they've said is that landlords won't raise the rent beyond what the market will bear. Uh, but if you're a struggling renter who's looked for housing in the last couple of years in Portland, you know the market will bear some really screwy numbers. Um, <laughs> I mean, the number, you know, I personally lived in a $500 unfinished, unwatered shed for a little while. I mean, it's, it's a screwy market. And so without that kind of rent stabilization, there's no guarantee that landlords won't simply continue to raise rents, take this beautiful taxpayer subsidy to, to keep tenants in their homes, um, and, you know, continue making, making money off of a basic human need. John McIsaac. Uh, yeah. Uh, PR strategist for Multifamily Northwest. That was, by the way, Andrew Riley with Portland Tenants United. I'm James right. Smith. We're here uh, with, with uh, Noriko Ott. John, what's your response to that? What are the protections to make sure this isn't just a bunch of dough that gets handed over to landlords? Well, it's 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 a, a tax credit. It's not a bunch of dough, for one. It's $100. A $25 million uh, fund will help 20,000 people with $100. So sometimes... $100 is all it, it takes to, to pay a, a utility bill or, you know, and the rent, you know. But I want to I want to talk a little bit so about wait, so to understand I want to understand the mechanism so that it'd be a, it'd be a tax credit and do and do shout into the phone as best as you can. We got to I know we gotta, I'm we, sorry. I'm in a I'm in a kind of a cellular dead zone here at home. Yeah, we got a, we got a text in asking if your service provider was quick at quick at wireless, which I thought was It, it might as well amusing. be. <laughs> when is your plan? Is it how many minutes do you have left? I want to make sure we have enough minutes to get through that right. interview. Yeah. What yeah. uh so how does it so $100 it's a $100 tax credit that would be $100 tax credit for the renter and the $100 a month, $100 a year uh a month. $100 a month for the renter. Yeah. And then, and are there any protections in the bill that would say, okay, uh, and and landlords can't just use this to jack up tuition prices, can't just use this to jack up uh, rents by a hundred dollars a month because now their renters got a hundred dollars more money to spend. Well, there's not a bill yet. This is a proposed uh, legislation. It, it is. It has not been fleshed out yet. Is so. it? Let me let me ask because one of the moves, right? And it's and it's a move that is used by different folks of all different stripes is when there is something that you don't want to have happen. One thing to do is oppose that thing. The other is to come up with an alternative uh, to either get it done or at least to at least to say, hey, no, no, do this instead. And you're totally fine if neither happened because the move of doing the other thing is really just a rhetorical exercise to stop doing the thing you really want to stop. How serious is the $25 million uh, tax credit proposal? You don't have a bill yet, uh, but like, how hard are you guys pushing? Who else is pushing on it? Who's the coalition that's working to get it done? It's it's coming out of multifamily Northwest. Yeah. So, you know, 
really the bottom line is Jefferson. We want to build more housing. Yeah. And you've got a, you've got a city and a state that through licensing and permitting a Byzantine process of licensing and permitting, it holds up the the progress of building more housing. And if we have more housing, the rents will stabilize. That's the bottom line. It's it's we all know that that will happen. Do we all know that, Andrew? Um, I don't think so. You know, the idea that, um, I mean, one, the idea that we have a Byzantine regulatory process on approving new housing is interesting, given that we have three times the number of units in development right now than we ever have um, at this point in history. And yeah. that's largely have you, developers. Have you noticed the increase in population, Andrew? Absolutely because have noticed the increase it, it in population, which is why we're 40,000 units short of affordable housing in Multnomah right. County. I mean, yeah. I, so I appreciate John focusing on the numbers of this proposal because I think that also highlights how totally inadequate it is. Okay. You know, $100 a month for somebody struggling to pay their rent is is almost laughable for a lot of the folks that we work with who are facing three, four, five hundred $500 rent increases, which are not as uncommon as multifamily Northwest would like you to believe. And yep. then uh, let's you know let's look at the the numbers. Northwest Labor Plus Press really um, reports that you know rents increase on an average about twelve percent a year in Portland. So if you want to calculate that over a course of a two years, that's about six hundred million dollars that comes straight out of the pockets of Portland tenants just to pay for rent increases. I have not seen double digit rent increases. That's that, that's a number and I, we, we have, have to send over. We have. Okay. we've seen that. Let me ask you a question. So if a property changes hands, I, and I'm going to use a I'm going to use an example that. Portland Tenants United was intimately involved with, because I think the listeners need to hear about this. Landon Marsh owns three small properties, one including one on uh, Southeast Ash, deep east side. And he bought this property, oh, probably close to a year ago at market value, which is a lot more expensive now than it was seven years ago when the building was built. Now, when he moved in, his tenants asked him to make improvements. In order to make improvements, he has to raise the rent to afford to pay his mortgage. Well, that didn't work for you guys, did it? Because you marched on his, his neighborhood in Raleigh Hills. One of you took a crap on his front lawn. There's no evidence of that. Well, that that's right. Happen. There's no evidence of it because nobody took a picture of it, but Landon's partner walked out as it was happening. And Sorry, literally took a crap. That's a good, that's every weird. activist that was there has said that that did not happen. I'm, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but it did happen. This is a this guy is an incredibly sensitive liberal Portlander. Here, he is not an evil landlord from or from California. The the property he bought at market value. He What's has the percentage of landlords from California that are evil? Yeah, is it? I, is don't, it, I don't know. Is it like five percent, like ninety, zero. <laughs> I don't know. What, but, but Andrew, that's but, what we keep hearing. I haven't met any from California. But the, and, but the serious, the serious piece here, Andrew, that he's pointing out is, uh, is there? I mean, you, you, how do you respond to this example? Or okay, maybe this is one bad example. Does it go at scale? What's your response? Well, so it's interesting. John brings up a, a, a rhetorical argument that multifamily Northwest likes to raise the specter of, and this idea of mom and pop landlords, right? These sort of either low-income, low-margin folks who don't have a lot of properties, offering a few units, and they argue that it'd be difficult for them to meet things like, you know, renovations, relocation expenses, and what have you. Uh, you know, we're you know we're sensitive to the idea that that might be the case. So let's talk about a $25 million fund instead that would go to those landlords who are having trouble meeting those relocation costs, you know, which would theoretically be paired with a just cause eviction policy. We're having trouble making those 
um, repair and renovation costs. Let's set aside some money in the state to support those landlords rather than simply subsidizing rent increases across the board. Let's pay for what actually needs to be paid for rather than simply lining the pockets of folks who are making quite a bit of money off of housing. So we had caller Chris called in to comment. Uh, Andrew, do you understand supply and demand? More houses would help stabilize rent. Uh, what is your response to the, to the essential argument that John makes that we've got to do more on the supply side to impact rents? We do have to do more on the supply side to impact rents, but at the same time, it's important to note that merely building new housing does not make housing affordable. You know, we talk a lot about this kind of jargony language about filtering, right? You build more housing, some of these older apartments are eventually going to lower in rent or lower in cost, and folks are going to be able to afford them. But the reality is, without meaningful protections on the amount, the scale, the nature, is there the any, timing is there any of data increases, we can trust? Because uh, is there anybody who's looked at this and said, "Oh yeah." Uh, not just based on financial self-interest or based on raison d'etre of a nonprofit's advocacy mission. Uh, we th there's been enough, you know, sort of studies done across the world to understand that if you increase housing supply, it has X or Y or doesn't have X or Y impact on rent. I don't think I've ever seen any clean research that says X number of supply leads to X impact. And on I don't rent. even and I mean you know like one to one, you know like clear algebraic equation that would be uh, that would be a chimera that wouldn't exist. But any but even just generally, is there any data we can trust, or do we just do, have to base our view on talking points, ideology, and hunchery? I mean, I think we. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily hunchery. I mean, I think you have to look at a comprehensive package of data. You got to look at what's happening in the local community. You have to look at that scale of rent increases. You got to look at how incomes are performing. You got to look at cost of living. I think it's a complicated equation, and the reality is, folks are not keeping pace with the changes that are going on in the economy. How much was rent on that tur on that turd left on the lawn? <laughs> I don't know. That'd be interesting yeah, to find out. I want to see what. You yeah. turned on the rent or the impact that the turd had on the rent? I mean, because it might have, if there were turds on the lawn, it right. might lower the yeah. might it, lower the it, it had an impact rental on the price. guys uh, on the guys' self esteem that day. Uh, <laughs> if you did it at scale, you could yeah. imp impact rent or rent prices I, across the region. I've, I've paid pretty good money on some turds in my day. <laughs> so apparently, apparently, there were some turds left by uh, alleged turds. Let's be really Thank clear. Yeah. Thank you. Alleged yeah. turds. Uh, tweeter Logan says maybe landlords should pay in to the $25 million fund if they're so concerned about renters being able to afford their housing. What, what's your response to that, John? That, that to, well, For folks who say I, that Multifamily Northwest is an organization that's looking out for the financial interests of landlords and any move that they're making to say they're helping tenants is really a move that help themselves. Uh, what's your response? Hello? Uh, we, we, we lost yeah, you. Yeah, dropped uh, If you, the, the question I could ask in any number of ways, but if you're, if you care a lot about tenants and not just landlords, uh, what should landlords do to contribute to that $25 million fund? Well, that's, a, that, I, I don't have the answer to that question. You know, I really don't. But I will tell you that and, uh, landlords don't want to evict tenants. It's good business to have long-term tenants. And in most cases, uh, they, they want tenants to stay there as long as they possibly can. So I don't, I honestly, I can't answer that question right now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What, uh, any, any guesses as to where this debate goes? My, my prediction right now is that neither of these happen, that rent control doesn't happen, and that, uh, that, 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 uh, that uh, 
the multifamily Northwest folks will be able to find enough Republicans and find enough suburban Democrats to to block whatever Portland Tenants United is trying to do. And that if the speaker doesn't want to give twenty five million dollars to landlords uh, through a tax break to tenants, that 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 Ways and Means won't do that. Uh, Andrew, would you would you disagree with my prediction? You know, I, I'm not going to make a prediction about how the legislature is going to go. I would just say that, you know, PTU is going to be there advocating for our two priorities, which yeah. are an end to, to no cause evictions, making sure that we have a just cause eviction policy, and making sure that we have the ability for local jurisdictions like the city of Portland to enact rent stabilization and rent control. John, yeah. any, John, any prediction or closing thought? I, I don't have a prediction either, but I, I hope that we can fix this for both sides. And, and, what, and what's your definition of fixing? Well, I don't like, we don't like seeing people out of their homes. Mm-hmm. We want the, everyone to have a home. And we need to build more housing in order to ensure that. Is there anything that could be done since you're here? And maybe you have to think about it more, talk to uh, John Chandler, uh, the evil Santa Claus, about the, uh, about it. that's not, I, I think that's a phrase that he likes. I didn't come up with it. But if we wanted, I, I'd be interested in John's thoughts, or at least, you know, if anybody's done math, one window, it seems to me, if there's any way to hold to some degree harmless, constitutionally done, hold to some degree harmless local Oregon, particularly mid-scale uh, landlords, right? Like people like yeah. the person you're talking to, talking right. about, which which I don't, you know, aren't mega developers, and I don't know what percentage they are of of the of the solution or of the problem, but hold harmless some of those, while at the same time capturing some of the profiteering that's happening during the boom that's happening from Wall Street investment. And it seems right. like there might be some window, there might be some chance for coalition, not only a not only a game where one side says uh, we need the following regulatory limit, and some, the other side says no, we don't. Don't want the regulatory limit give us some money and then and then you know and then that's good and then neither thing happened uh is there any chance to go where some of the real money is i think so and you know i do have a, a loose number it's not that loose the the number of small operator landlords in oregon the percentage of the total is close to 80. so you're talking about uh most of them are, are smaller operators who bought the properties as, in, as investments for their for their retirement. They're not properties. That's eighty percent of landlords, but that's not necessarily that's not necessarily eighty percent of units. No, right, and that's the that's what I, I mean. I would assume there are more, you know, upper middle class and middle class people than there are rich people. But that doesn't mean that there's more middle class money than there is rich people no. money, right? Right. Yeah, uh, and I don't have the numbers, yeah. but I do know that we are not we we are. Certainly willing to work with the other side on this to come to a uh, come to an agreement and a solution. We want to. Yeah, John McIsaac, PR strategist for Multifamily Northwest. Thanks for joining us, Andrew Riley from Portland Tenants United. Any closing word from you? Uh, I would just say, you know, we we tend to be a blunt group of people, but we want to we absolutely want to partner with Multifamily Northwest to to solve these issues, and that's why we continue to invite them to support robust tenant protections, like an end to no cause eviction and uh, rent real and rent stabilization. Thank you both so much Thanks. for participating Thanks, in this guys. conversation. Thank you.